This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Thanks for coming back. Another episode. In case you were wondering, we're almost at 400 episodes of the Business Storytelling Podcast. So if I may say so myself, I had a little bit of an intuition a few years ago to do a podcast. Ah, how about it tying everything together? Because today we're talking about intuition. And um, today's guest, you know, um, he was on the show. I don't remember when. It's been a while back. I'm pretty sure we didn't do a live stream at the time. So Neil Gotzi, and he helps businesses leverage their intuition. So he's going to give us an update on what that is, his latest book, and, you know, how do we move forward? How do we trust our intuition? Sounds much easier than it perhaps is. Let's get him out of the green room here. Hey, welcome back to the show. Really appreciate you making the time. No problem, Christoph. Really looking forward to dropping some knowledge bombs today and helping marketers learn about this whole thing about intuition. And when they kind of tap into it, the research shows that uh, they're able to crush the competition in under 14 seconds. In under With their intuition? With their intuition. In fact, there's a paper that came out saying that that trust is developed in actually 33 milliseconds. So I'm overshooting it just because you need some hesitancy. Um, I'll add yeah. a few seconds here and there. So, I mean, give us the definition of what's intuition and, and, and how do we think about that in our daily lives? Yeah, so so the the way that I approach intuition is a little bit different than what, what some others, like when I first initially looked at intuition, a lot of it was talking about manifestation and, uh, you know, voices from God and, and all that stuff. And so if you think intuition from that perspective, that's fine. But I really had to take a look at it from a scientific perspective. And when I looked at the science, the neuroscience research, on top of a neurologist that I talked to who's saying there's so much neuroscience out there that's proving or... I can't, can't say proving correlating new intuition, but you're actually born with it. Uh, when you use intuition, it's basically right at the amygdala. So it's it's right as you're either going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or not. Um, and it, it's, it's these feelings that we get that we just know. It is based on actual experience and learning that you've had. So one of the misconceptions is that it's just it just happens and it comes from... Uh, you know, out out uh, out of the sky, and it just happens. But it's actually rooted in there's four types of intuition. One of them is that experience and learning. So you're at, when you're born with it, but as you go about in time, all the experiences that you've had, both good and bad, all the learning that you've had, that's formal and informal, all go into the subconscious area of your brain like a library. And so if you look at your brain like an iceberg, 90% below uh, the water, which is your subconscious, 10% above water, which is your conscious, that's where your intuition uh, resides. And that's where all those library experiences are. So when you're about to make a decision uh, and when it comes to in businesses, when you're about to look at a brand, uh, you know, what we go through individually is we go through saying, do I trust that brand? You know, do I trust that messaging? Uh, do I really resonate with, th with that, with that particular business's values? And even more so during COVID times, uh, more and more, I I'm getting so, so much busier from brands reaching out to me saying, okay, we need to another purpose because we need to really find out where we're going. People are reaching out to me saying, I've been in this career. I don't know where I'm supposed to be headed. I just know that 
I need to find out where that compass is. And that's what your intuition comes in. What's that compass that drives your brand? What's that compass that drives you? What are your values that you have? And these come through the core values. And so from a marketing perspective, when you have, uh, you know, people, people are going to resonate with your messaging, your brand, your purpose, and it's got to be pretty authentic. So you can stop the scroll, but my intuition is going to be, even if you stop the scroll, my intuition is always on. And what it's going to do is keep looking for that trust factor to say, okay, they've said this in this marketing message. How have they behaved? How do they act on social media? Do those brands resonate with me? Do what they put out uh, in terms of their statements resonate with me? Do they have products and services that they say they're, let's say, uh, you know, they're looking to, uh, you know, be very authentic and, and uh, you know, make sure that they're a clean, uh, they use, you know, clean ways of doing things, but yet when they're production, they're not. And, and so these are the ways that more so nowadays with social media, uh, looking to make sure that it really resonates with me. And so if it resonates in a very broad way to my values, that's when I purchase from them that's mm -hmm. when I want to work for them. And this is where the marketplace really loves them. And when you have that trifecta, which is that intuition, uh, that's when you can crush your competition. And so the research that I looked at was showing that um, re the, when you're looking to, mm -hmm. this is older research, uh, two papers came out and that trust is established within one paper said 10 seconds, the other paper said 14 seconds. And yeah. a paper that was in 2017 that came out of the, uh, the UK, 33 milliseconds. So that's how quick it is for me to trust a brand uh, or a brand persona or the values that a brand has. And you can look at so many um, instance of, uh, instances of this. Nike putting out a statement, yeah. uh, you know, uh, other companies saying that we, we're doing one thing yet you know, they have child laborers in, in China. And so depending upon whether you resonate with that or not, um, mm -hmm. you know, I would, I would resonate with that brand. I would buy from that brand because mm -hmm. those things resonate with me. And really from a marketing perspective, it's really making sure that when you're putting out a marketing message, you really want to get to those emotional anchors because your intuition is at the emotional center of your brain. Mm -hmm. So when you put out messaging that hits that emotional center, what you're doing is you're speaking to, my problem you're solving, how much easier your product or service makes my life. And that deepens the engagement, not just something that looks pretty. You want to deepen your engagement from an emotional perspective, and that's hitting the intuitive area. And when that's aligned, I become a customer for life. I become an employee for life. And I've even had others. David Williams was someone I interviewed on a podcast interview. He ran a company called Fishbowl Inventory. He's moved on since then. Um, but he learned the value of trust. And mm -hmm. he ran a company in, in Salt Lake City, Utah, I believe it was where Fishbowl Inventory was. And he had a number of big, these big wigs can't come in and would double the salaries of some of these. The, and they, he, they scooped a number of people. Within a year, more than half those employees came back because what they realized is that even at twice the salary, they were treated like a number. <clears throat> and they came back to him. They said, for half the salary, I love what I do. And he said, that's exactly how you run a company on this thing called trust. Right? So it's pretty, yeah. pretty important. Well, um, I hear you, but I'd rather take the twice the salary and the trust, right? Everything. If you can, <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> and, 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 so, 
Yeah, and and that's when you kind of find out where those things are, right? And so this is where we're going to be looking yeah. to, you know, things like Glassdoor uh, uh, reviews. We're looking to people that we trust that we can do. So you can actually <clears throat> navigate really nicely a very, very well-paying yeah. career uh, where you can find companies that actually do uh, benefit uh, or, or use the trust in the marketplace. And what I believe is that in, in these COVID times, more and more companies are are going to be figuring this out because they have to. Uh, and if you want to look at statistics, uh, you know, my generation average, it's about 12 years in a company. You look at uh, Gen X, 3.9 years in a company, Gen Y or Gen Z is 3.2 and, and sliding. Now, one may say that they're fleeting and they're lazy, but I look at it as these are people, the younger generation are looking for that value. They're looking to be trusted. They're looking to really make be with a company that values them. And if you're not, they're going to go. And so those sliding statistics are telling me that companies aren't doing it yet and they need to move, yeah. be moving there. Yeah, it's definitely interesting how we're making that switch. So when we talk about, you know, all of our experiences, so it's interesting you say that because, I mean, obviously I'm, you know, I'm getting up there in age too and, and um, you, you know, and, and I got experiences and, and I bring them to everything, right? Like if I, like if I experience something and previously that was a trigger for a negative experience, right? That's how it connects. Whether the person that I'm currently working with or talking to or whatever doesn't mean it like that, right? But that's the ultimate trigger. So potentially, you know, my, my intuition might be that's, you know, we're on the wrong track here. So how do we, so I, I've had a number of these situations in the last week. Um, I probably made two decisions um, because it didn't feel right. So I, I made the decision not to make the decision twice because it just didn't feel right, right? My mm -hmm. my intuition, just like, and they were red flags, right? I mean, I saw certain behaviors and certain mannerisms and certain um, wording, right? Yeah. Um, that maybe gave me those clues, but um, sometimes you can't explain it like that, right? Sometimes you're just like, this is, it doesn't feel right or it feels yeah, right. Absolutely. And, and I'll take you to two, two explanations. The first one with the feeling. So when when your intuition hits the amygdala area, there's absolutely zero capacity for language. And so this is why people have when they describe their intuitive signals, as I call it, uh, they're very different. So you have positive signals that are that, that are the signals that are telling you this is the right way to go. So for me, uh, it's going to be the dots connecting or a flow. And I had interviewed, uh, there was a, uh, a CEO, he ran two multi-million dollar companies based on this omen that comes up behind his shoulder. So when he is, this omen comes up, he says, yes, this is the vendor you go with. Yes, this is the business partner. Yes, this is the company that you need to, or, or yes, this is the, the venture company that you can take money from, or yes, this is the employee you bring on. All based on this omen and that's how that's how unique it is and then the negative signals for me are going to be you know sort of the my i lose my peripheral vision so if something's wrong quickly i get a focus my peripheral vision is gone and i know there's something wrong in the situation very much like you uh and so those are those feelings and i had one entrepreneur i interviewed and he had no clue what these intuitive signals are because it's not something you commonly ask at a coffee shop you know here's a latte you know what are your intuitive signals it's kind of weird uh, but <clears throat> what he was telling me as he was recounting the uh, the entrepreneurial ventures he went into for the wrong reasons, he started gra grabbing his left earlobe and he said 10 minutes. And he says, Sunil, I just realized every time I go against my intuition, my left earlobe starts pulsating with heat. 
And so now he can connect the dots backwards, which is what we should be doing to figure out what these intuitive signals are. And when it comes to, you know, you're seeing, uh, like, so there's four types of intu intuition. We talked about one, which is the experiential one. And the three others are, uh, and I'll quickly go through them. One is going to be situational intuition. And that's when you're looking in the environment. And many, many of us, all, in fact, all of us have probably gone into a situation where we walk into a room or a space and we go, something is just off. And that's your situational intuition saying that something in this environment is off. The third, which you're talking about, is relational intuition. And this is where it takes a look at body language, tone. Uh, are the words matching the actions? Uh, you know, uh, uh, what they're writing even. Is it is it congruent with who I think they are? And again, it's looking for patterns in the past that you're used to. And when you've seen somebody being deceptive in the past, you're comparing those patterns with this person. And you're getting those red flags saying, hmm, you know. Uh, something's off. And so this is where you need to back away. And the fourth is the creative decision, creative intuition, which is the decision that you make. And so you combine your past experience, you combine the person that you're looking for, if there is a person in that situation, what the situations are looking at, combining all of that information in a split second, 33 milliseconds, to give you a positive or negative signal that you that's unique to you. And then if it's a positive signal, go ahead. If it's a negative signal, you got to back off and forget about the what ifs. Don't worry about the what ifs because that doesn't matter. Your intuition is already giving you the warning signal. And the problem is 99% of the people have not done the homework on what their signals are, or they're, they're so used to thinking about societal norms, their past experience that they have to be in, uh, shutting off the empathy and being in a workplace because it has to be, you know, tactical. Uh, you know, there's so many problems that, that we get to when it comes to businesses. And you're facing now a generation that are saying, no, I really want to work for someone who has a purpose. I really want someone who's going to trust me, who's going to trust my creativity and allow me to, to be who I am in the workplace. And if you, and then that's when I feel like a 2D person. And if you don't treat me that way, I'm going to, sorry, 3D person. And if you don't, then I will feel like a statistic, right? And I'll go feel like 2D. And now I'm, I'm on, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to be looking on the job boards because you're not treating me properly and I'll bounce. Right. And, and then you're just dealing with people. Mm -hmm. Then you're bottom fishing. Right. You're going to get people who are just going to stay there just because and you're going to lose the talent. Yeah. And, and that's a sure well, way to go down. So, so so the thing that kind of struck me, I mean, first of all, back in the day, right, when we were out in the wilderness or whatever, um, like, you know, way back when intuition certainly helped us, you know, we would go in somewhere and, oh, it doesn't feel right. Is there a, a bear looking at me from the tree or whatever it might be. And that still happens in some parts of the country, of course. But I'm just sitting right here. You know, I've been in this chair for the last two years, barely leave anywhere, you know, three three weeks to the gallon, something like that for my car. But let's talk about how I get it. That's used to be the past. But, but in a job or in an office environment or like where you create together, how do you keep your intuition um, top of mind, I guess. So let me explain to you what I mean by that. Um, I think it's really easy to get in a routine. I do it too, right? This is how I do my live streams. Then I want to write an article. Then I put it on the podcast channels and I do whatever. Every year or two, I write a book. That's a routine, right? And and I think in, in a corporate environment, how you work together, you kind of, I don't, I'm not going to say you're in a rut, but it's, this is kind of how it is, and sometimes it can take a while, right? So my intuition, when the bear looks at me from the from the tree, that's urgent because <laughs> it might mm -hmm. eat me. 
But the intuition in an office setting, I'm like, you know, that's not quite right. Or is this the right thing to do? Or is that the right decision? Like it's not, it's typically not a life or death situation. So how hard is it for people to keep that top of mind and to to really hone, um, hone, hone, hone having that um, available to them? Yeah, and it's much easier than people really think because we're talking about feelings. We're talking about people, and what what often people mistake is is they're looked at like sticks and stones or or little you know checkers on a on a board. And the first thing really start where I start when I get into a company is I start with the leadership. And I, when I look at the leadership, I say, okay, everybody has some intuitive skills. And what we're going to do is let's first optimize them. And then once we optimize what your intuition looks like, and that's looking at sort of the four types of intuition. One you're typically strong in, but we have to bring the other three in and to make them optimal. So that starts there. Then we look at the core values. So are the, do the core values really resonate with, with you and they're feeling based? So you can say, I want to be the best customer, you know, I want to have the best customer service. But if that's not happening in, in, you know, you have no business processes that are aligning with that. What are you writing on the wall? Because nobody believes them anyways. And, and you know, two thirds of the, <laughs> the, the, the management statistics show don't even know what their core values are. So when you have these core values that are feeling based, they drive behavior. And then from there, we kind of move on to the employees. Who are you hiring? Are you hiring the right people that really want to be there? Um, and, uh, and and you want to take a look at if are you keeping, you know, uh, stars, but they're cancerous, right? They, they're they're really disrupting the culture. And this is one of the common things that they do. They've, they've got these rock stars in sales or marketing, but they don't want to be team players. They're the ones that are really denigrating that they're, they're, they've got some real crappy uh, you know, water cooler conversations. You have to let these people go. And it, one of the things I was asked uh, on another podcast interview is, is how hard is it to be empathetic as a leader? Because it's typically not thought of. And I said, well, when you go home, you, uh, you may have a wife and kids and some friends you go out for beers or have a coffee with. You're being empathetic with them. And what, and what seems to happen is you walk into the front door and you shut that empathy off. But that's the same empathy that you really want. You just want to care for the people that you want to work under you. And they're the ones that are going to help with the processes. They're the ones that are in the front lines of helping your customer journey. They're the ones knowing what the problems are. So when you treat them well and you get rid of the ones that aren't, what you quickly start seeing is you, you see a sh the, the, them shaping up and taking over the business and doing things really very effectively and efficiently. You still need business processes. You still need the policies. That doesn't go away just because you have this woo-woo thing called intuition, but they're the ones that are helping you. And then once you've got the employees involved uh, and, and they're saving, they're, they're higher in productivity. And if you look at the Edelman report, a 37% increase in higher productivity happens when they trust the leadership. That 31% that goes down to the bottom line and these are these are tens of thousands of people that have been interviewed uh, and then once they're set they know what the customers want and then they're also intuitively asking the customers what the customer's journey so one of the recent things i did on my lab last live last friday was talking about treating a customer like a franchise don't look at the first sale look at what they want uh, uh you know once you're you're uh, you're finished that one sale and what what else do they want and then you can match your products and services uh, to what they want in their customer journey. And once again, the statistics are there. Uh, you know, once the customer uh, buys from you, they're 25 to 26 percent likely to buy a second time, 50 percent and 76 percent. Their second purchase is usually three times in value. So the statistics are already there to, to kind of show yeah. that when you actually start with a trusting environment, you move ahead. And one of the great case studies I have is I got came into a company that was struggling at $400,000 in the healthcare industry. 
and I came in, the very first thing I did, I noticed that there was no trust with the uh, employees, and the two co-CEOs. I, the first thing I did it with a struggling one, cash flow, a bit of a concern. I increased all the salaries because they were they were being really underpaid, and I just got them to a, to a level where it was respectable enough that they said, "Wow, this guy Sunil really cares for us." Once I earned the trust, then I got their input to come in and say, "How do we improve this company?" And we were able to put in some efficiencies, like no, no, it was so quickly done. And then the next thing I looked at was expansion. And so not only was yeah. I able to just work on expansion, the employees came in and backfilled. So we went from a struggling $400,000 company to three and a half million in two years. So that takes business process and everything, but it all started with trust. And that was based on intuition. And so that's what can happen to your own company um, once you put these processes in place. Think, I mean, th trust is so important. Um, so the one thing that came to my mind, this we are currently, I'm going to feature this on Amazon just for a minute. This is the Who the Deck Are You brand personality cards and toolkit from Tara Hunt, who was on, and her team, uh, she was on the show. And the reason I'm, po I'm pointing this out here, because you mentioned a lot of companies don't, company leadership, don't even know what their mission is. And that is because they pick safe words, as Tara would say, and you know they don't mean anything. Safe words don't mean anything. Doesn't mean you have to go crazy, but the wording that you use, right? It, it matters. And I remember at MetTouch, I don't remember all the values now, guys. I'm getting older. It's been a few years, but it was like you know, done means done. That's easy to remember, right? That's I mean, I and that's not just you know, it's not just fluff. Um, maybe people matter. I don't. That wasn't it, but something like that. You know, so there were others like that, and they were super easy to remember because they stood for something. Now, um, when we talk about trust, though, I mean, trust is built over time, too, right? So when you first meet somebody, you think, I don't know, or, ooh, I, I like them. I mean, that's intuition too, right? I mean, to an extent. It absolutely is. So so when you say trust is built over time, so you'll always get the initial trust as member. This is under 14 seconds. Uh, and so that's the initial trust. I really like what the company stands for. Um, you know, they, they want me in as, from an employee's perspective. Uh, and I really like it there. But pretty soon, your intuition is always on. It's like a camera. It's always taking the snapshots. And so when that kind of, if they say, you know, they see something that is going against, you know, what the core values are, or your, your leadership says one thing and does another, um, or they're treating people in a way that doesn't resonate with your values, you're starting to continually watch this on an ongoing basis. And so that's where you have the time factor of trust. And over time, you know, you're always comparing these values and you'll continue to do that for a long, long time. Um, and there was, a, there was a company here called WestJet and they, uh, they started, which is rival against Air Canada. And they've, they've had a number of attempts to, for unions to come in. And I had someone in the senior leadership, which is a really good friend of mine. And I asked her about this and she goes, you know what? People trust the management here so much that these unions don't even have a chance coming in, uh, you know, you know, and we're so happy being where we are. And so these, these are companies that have 12, 15 year longevity for people working there because they love the opportunities. They love the camaraderie. Uh, even on the on the planes, the hosts and hostesses are joking. Uh, you know, the pilots are cleaning up as well. So it was a real collegial atmosphere 
Uh, and that's where you wanted to work. And so that's the type of atmosphere. Uh, you know, Southwest is another one that talks about this with Herb uh, and, and how he runs a company. And he sometimes he comes in with his, you know, leather jackets and comes into Harley Davidson. Uh, but he represents, you know, that trust that you have with the company uh, and people want to work there. And so that's going to trump any other uh, competitor. Right. So if they're not if they're working at WestJet, they're not working at Air Canada. They're not working at another airline. And these people are really, really, really happy. Uh, and everybody's been with a company that where they've stayed really, really long for that person. You know, people don't leave companies for the company. They leave, they leave companies for that, that manager and how they treat people. And every, everybody would have, would have a story like that. Why did they stay longer than normal? Uh, well, whatever normal is. And it's because they can come back to how they were treated. Right? And so if you can do this the right way, Man, oh man, you got a company that's going to kick butt because hardly anybody, all these other companies are doing it. And the only time they're doing it is when the statistics are showing that things are going south. And the statistics are laggard indicators. You have to treat the leading indicator, which is how you treat people, because statistics are a reflection of what you're doing wrong. It also always depends on, on, on what you're trying to do with your life. I mean, for example, I wrote Content Performance Culture. And I'm a very competitive guy, you know. In fact, I can't go do a class at the gym because it's going to be a race, you know. I just go out, work out by myself, for example. So you have to understand what people are trying to do with their life. What are they motivated by? You know, I'm yes. motivated by trying new things and seeing what works. I'll give you an example. I mean, as you know, this is one of our first shows that we are live streaming to my channels and your channels. Um, and yes. that's a new feature. And I'm so excited by by testing it, by, by trying it. And it seems to work uh, fantastically well. So I think that's super, super important. Now, when it comes to um, maybe really quickly, like a minute, minute or two minutes here, uh, maybe a minute, we're almost out of time already. The time always flies so quickly. When I'm creating content, how can I use my intuition? I mean, is it as simple? I had, I had a, a piece of content the other day. I'm like, this topic just doesn't feel right. I don't mm -hmm. know why exactly, but I'm not doing it. And here's, and you know, end of story. I mean, is that how content creators use intuition or, or what other examples might you have? Yeah, one of the things is you want to, you want to take a look at your customer and what are the pain points for the customer? Why, do you, why are you doing your products and services? What's, what problem is it solving? What are the stories around that? So rather than, and we're all hearing like, don't tell about what the product is. What does the product do for that person or that family? What does it bind them? Does it solve a problem? Talk to that problem because what, that's the emotion that comes out. And when you solve a problem for me, that, oh my God. So it hits that emotional center. That's where intuition and trust is intertwined. So your content has to match the emotions and be authentic with it. Don't make it up because once you make it up, I think mm, that's great in that, but it, but that's not what you're really doing. And now you've lost me and I'm going to tell other people. So make it about the person. What problem are you solving? What value are you adding? And that's your commercial and that's your piece. And then, and then, and accentuate that problem and speak to how your product or service helps relieve that. And it is always about the the customer and the the person you're trying to work with. Now, I do appreciate you very much. Not saying make the customer the hero. I hate that terminology because who I don't want to be a hero. Just give me my hamburger. Just give me a new ring light. Just give me a new whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, but it is still about my problem, right? Why do I need to buy a new camera if this one works? Why do I need a different stand? So certainly. Um, I, I appreciate that language. It was great to reconnect with you. Uh, great to have you back on the show. Um, thank you so much for sharing all your insights again. No problem. Thanks, Christoph.
That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.